0: Hey, Chicago, and welcome back to another episode of Speak Your Mind Radio. I'm your hostess, with the mostess, Queen Star, and today we have a very special guest with us. He is a well-known L.A. filmmaker of such movies like the 2017 Cowgirl Story and the 2006 Prison of the Psychotic Damned. He also has experience shooting your favorite YouTube parodies like Kanye West. Rihanna and Paul McCarthy's Four or Five Seconds and Taylor Swift's Blink Space. And in addition, he also has shot some of the top brands of commercials that you see on your TV screen daily. Everything from Toyota to Kellogg's. And now, guys, he is the director of photography of an all-Black cast studio series called Double Cross, now streaming on UMC. So everyone please give a warm welcome for my guest, cinematographer, Matthias Saunders. Hey. Hey, what's up, Star? How you doing? I'm doing good, and you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
0: That's good. Um, well, Matthias, uh, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. No problem. And I like to start off all my interviews with an icebreaker question, so let's get into it. Okay. Um. What's your life like as a cinematographer during a pandemic?
1: (laughs) Well, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm finding that out for the first time. But uh, it's very interesting because, uh, you know, um, for me, as a cinematographer, uh, the work that I do involves collaboration. So it's very, very, very hard to do be a working cinematographer during the pandemic when everybody's locked up and home and all that. But there have been some cinematographers currently they've been doing some shooting by themselves, but I'm not really that type of cinematographer. I like to tell stories. I like to work with uh filmmakers. Uh so um, what I have been doing is I have been really just focusing on pulling out a number of uh, scripts and uh, properties that I have the options to and taking this time to really rework them and getting them ready for production. Um and 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 just and just excited at the opportunities that they're gonna bring and and this pandemic has been really good about just getting that time to stop and and just work on some things and that need to need to be addressed when you don't have time to do it when you are uh working right
0: when you're busy and out, you don't have time to make those itty bitty um corrections
1: yeah. right, you know you need time to sit down, you need time to read. there's a lot of reading involved, and I've had I had an opportunity to really do a lot of that. Um, I need to do more, but again, <laughs> <laughs> as we all do. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting pandemic. Lot, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. Um, it has yeah. been interesting and very life learning too.
1: Yeah, very, very life learning. Very getting a chance to see some very, very interesting things and, um. Very, very, I tell you, it's a very, very exciting time for a documentary uh, mm. filmmaker. If you are a documentary filmmaker right now, I feel as a cinematographer of uh, 25 years, I think this is a very, very exciting time to grab your camera and mm. get out and go. You know, wow. there are some things that are happening right now that, I, you know, that need to be documented. Yes. And it's and it's uh it's 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 very important. We need to keep the content creation happening, we need to keep discussions happening. Um in all forms, whether it's uh a protesting, whether it's in our writing, whether it's in our dialogue, and whether it's in the films that we make.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um what you said um basically is don't stop the creativity you no, know no. you know just to keep it flowing and um i've had people say that to me before it's very important that we document what's going on during the good times and the bad times
1: yes exactly yeah exactly and and i will tell you like how important documentation right now is going to be especially in our digital age documenting just these historical events that are happening are very, very important because since we are in a digital age, things are moving a lot faster. So information is flowing a lot faster. Visual information is flowing through to us in a lot, and a lot, lot faster than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was telling my son, I said, one of the big differences that I feel, um, being where we're having the uh, protests and marches was that he's experiencing that and it's happening so much quicker and so much faster Mm. compared to when I was at the Million Man March. Mm. I was one of the cameramen at the Million Man March and I was at the steps of the Capitol. Wow. And I saw two million black men and women a symbol mm. on the steps of the capitol 2.5 million wow with no twitter mm. no facebook these things did not exist then so again and we can see now that we have a generation that don't don't know don't, don't even know that even it happened right you know? even mm-hmm. that was even capable within the movement that they are trying to create right now that yes. we are creating right now. So that's why I'm saying documentation is, is going to be very important. You know, we've done it before and we've done it without social media and mm. we did Eastford. I was there. I was there. I was there. I had photographs from uh black and white uh shot on film. I didn't have a digital camera. Mm. You know. And so like I remember rolling into DC. Mm. Um With a backpack of, I had 64, no, 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 excuse me. I had 60 rolls of 36 exposure, 35 millimeter black and white film. Dang, look at you. You can count that. (laughs) You can count that, you know. You can multiply that up and you can tell that's how many opportunities I had a chance to document something. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when you look at, you know, we have basically cell phones in our hands that can take unlimited pictures, can take a, a quality way beyond what I was even capable of doing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, um, you, you know, you see how important documenting and, and creating content and, and putting out there to the show is important, it is very, very important. You know what I'm saying? Uh, creating our own networks creating our own uh information highways and 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 talking about uh, issues and communicating them clearly Mm. are are important are very very important oh my god oh you just said a a mouthful
0: of wisdom right there
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. that's incredible
0: yeah that makes me want to pick your brain even more now (laughs) Well,
1: as, you know I'm here. I'm here to speak my mind. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever been on, a, on a, been interviewed in, in, in this type of way. So, you know, you tell me what you want to hear. I mean, I mean, you know, you can ask me whatever you like. Okay. Well,
0: um, for for one, why don't you tell me in your own words, your own definition, what the difference is? Yeah, between a, a cinematographer and Mm-hmm. A film director, or uh, oh, yeah,
1: okay, all right. Well, a cinematographer, um, and we're you know are we're referred to as director of photography. Sometimes you may be heard of us referred in that way. Of course, um, we may be given that title. Um, uh, we work with the director in creating the visual storytelling mm-hmm. to stories uh that they want to tell. Um so we craft that visual um and we support them in their vision and what they want to communicate. Um, the film director is is uh the person who drives the ship. Uh is definitely uh, uh has a story to tell and we work to make that happen, bring that to fruition. Um And basically, that's what we do. Yeah.
0: That's uh, interesting and creative, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, so let's really get into it. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you broke into the entertainment industry and kind of like what your life was like growing up trying to figure out, you know, your lifelong dreams. This is what I want to do.
1: Okay. All right. Well, um, briefly, I got started at a young age. I, you know, my father was a British West Indian uh, uh, engineer from St. Kitts. Uh, I grew up in Sandusky, Ohio. I was born in England. Mm. Um, um, And then we came to the United States. I came to the United States when I was three years old. Um, And I grew up in Sandusky, Ohio, uh, between... uh, uh, Cleveland Toledo not too far from Chicago you know we got <laughs> to Chicago pretty regularly ourselves so you know we always went there to have a good time definitely and um, and uh, so I grew up in you know in that household and uh, you know my father had always put very high value on photographs hmm. and in, in the, the the photo book Mm-hmm. In the camera, and he—it he, uh, was one thing he always put up in the in the shelf, and I couldn't get to it. You know, he didn't want me messing with. <laughs> and and I and he told me, you know, from a very young age, he said, you know, one of the reasons why he values photographs and, and images so much is because growing up, he never had as a kid growing up in the island, he never had pictures.
0: Yeah. And
1: so that was kind. So that you know, as a a young kid, that sparked curiosity, but what's it, you know, what is this? So, you know, you know, I grew up a reader, so, Mm -hmm. boom, I was in the books reading, you know, from day one, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that was instilled in in me by my father. Um, So, you know, it was something I was uh, really, really attracted to, and my mother, and my mother was the one that really really uh, encouraged she saw that I had an interest in this so she supported that so you know she, she was the one that got me my first cameras you know back in the day as a kid she got me my first super aids for she bought me my first video camera that I took to college oh. and and that was great because I thought I was the it because right I had, I had the VHS camera <laughs> with the color viewfinder Thank which was brand new tech back then you know where you could actually look f- through the viewfinder and see it in color mm-hmm. um, uh, because pretty much viewfinders back then were, were black and white always Wow. Uh, so like so I had the you know I had the color joint. I was up, you know, and I and I went and I went to did my first uh, freshman year at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, and did the film program. But I was always involved. Uh, I was always involved from early age. I was the like the video guy, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I was the, that guy, and then you know, and then I'm technically inclined, so I I I got attracted to lighting really quickly. Cool. um and you know and then also special effects and things like that so I was attracted to these things at a very young age and, and just being able to read them and and having American cinematographer subscription at a very young age wow. and being encouraged to read mm-hmm. um, my father was very very strict on that on reading so and you know making us read aloud and stand in the middle of the room you know he was pretty strict so those type of disciplines, I think, you know, allowed me to gravitate to those things very quickly, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm just getting my first camera and making little you know, movies in the backyard with my little sister and my cousins when they would come visit. You know, uh, you know I'm sure there's a VHS copy of Black Bowl one and two and three. Floating around in our uh uh family somewhere, somebody mm-hmm. admitted, but somebody took it, but we did make <laughs> a black version of Rambo when we were kids, you know, and it was good um but you know that's 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 just kind of the childhood of it but when I got to college, I was very very active and freelance by then, and um you know I did my freshman year at Wright state University, and then after that, you know I realized you know the film school route was not the, the going all the way through film school was not the route for me. I was active. I was working. I wasn't theory. I was actually executing lighting and executing camera setups, you know, for, you know, freelance while I was in college. Mm. So, you know, I was just like, I need to step it up. So I did my uh, freshman year there. Um, and then I moved to, uh, New York city and, cool. uh, and I was in New York. This was in, now we're talking, we're talking like ninety three, ninety four. 94, you know, like there was a lot, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was very, the film industry then was very, very focused. You know, if you were in it, you were focused to be in. It's not anything leisurely about it, you know. It was a craft then. Um, and uh so I trained. I, I looked for every opportunity I trained. Um I got to NYU, um, spent a little time there. Um and then um just being in the freelance game, I start shooting a lot of early hip hop nineties videos. What? Yeah, yeah and getting and then being able and and, and and just dabbling in that you know because one I could get access to equipment and back then you know folks wasn't really paying a lot of money labels if you had got signed you know you only got you know labels like okay we'll give you we'll give you 2,500 and you had to pay half for your video mm. so like if you wanted a $5,000 video, you had to at least come up with 2,500. So, you know, a lot of those videos started happening um, where we'd shoot like three, four videos in one, you know, 48, 72 hour period, you know, just folks collaborated back then because they, you know, everybody was getting on. Um, And then, um, you know, that translated into working on uh, being in New York, that ended up me translating and working on studio pictures because mm-hmm. since I was in New York, you know, you had the studios there, you know, you had Kaufman and Astoria there. So I ended up getting on major studio films and PA and working my way up through the ranks and just connecting, you know, with people in the industry and, you know, and networking. Heavy mm-hmm. networking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy networking. And you know, I can honestly say it wasn't, I was, you know, I can honestly say it was Lily White back then, you know, very. And, you know, just, um, you know, you had to, you know, you had to, you know, sometimes you had to step and fetch it a little bit back then because, you know, you were, you were, you were learning your craft, you were making a way. You saw you saw it going in a certain direction, so it's like you know, it was craft building. You know, there was a true apprenticeship back then, um, where if you wanted to be in the industry, you had to find someone to apprentice you. Yes, exactly. You know, so and it it, and it was a little bit different than mentorship because you hear mentorship a lot now, but mentorship looks a lot different than what apprenticeship is apprenticeship you are actually working you're there you're active you're engaging you're actually you're in the industry and you are you're making waves people know you you're building relationships and reckon, you know recognition so um you just got to work and get in there and, and and make it happen and one thing that uh you know, kind of ethic, work ethic, I brought to the tables, you know, the, the work ethic that my father did instill in me, Right. Uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, and uh, I brought that to the table. And that was one of the things that really people gravitated to was my work ethic. You wow. know, you know, my father was a tradesman, so I had no problems getting my hand dirty, you know, right it it by contrast, you know, I'll show up on set you know now, and folks got Jordans on you know that's the first thing I look at. I look at the shoes, oh shoot, <laughs> yeah, like if they're showing up with you know Air Force One first editions and stuff like that, I know that person's not gonna work that
0: day. right, you know
1: these are things that you know you recognize, you know yeah. just, uh, little things, so I mean, um. You know, it's just you make your way. And then being on these studio films, uh, you know, you just you get connected to the next studio film, the next studio film. And, um, and you know, I worked on a lot of early studio films. And then what I would do is um, I would take these techniques that I was learning on my studio films and go back home to the Midwest and shoot and use those techniques mm-hmm. to shoot independent films. You know, people that had no money, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and so like, I remember, you know, back in the day, like, you know, I had the cameras and I had big 35 mils. I think you can go up on my Instagram and you can see old school pictures of me with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, you know, I, I was, I was coming back to the local town, you know, local hometown. And it's like, look, we can do this. We can make a film, and, and that's how I kind of got a reputation in the Midwest to uh, be the go-go to guy to, you know, that could make your indie film, you know. And so by doing that, um, I got a chance to get connected and tell a lot of different stories that um appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um I ended up working with a lot of different types of directors and working in different telling different stories. I had started shooting a lot of horror films back Yeah, then, right. you know and it was like 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 real hardcore horror, horror like midwestern horror films, you know. Right. And I was approaching these things from like, okay, well, I was raised in a household where I was not allowed to shoot this stuff. So I was creative. I was creative. I wasn't allowed to see it. I wasn't (laughs) even, we didn't have that stuff in our household. So like, I was able to approach these projects from a completely open mind, a completely creative space. Oh my God. You know, like, I remember like, for example, you talked about uh, Prison of the Psychotic Dam. Right. Yeah, so I shot that film back in the day. Uh-huh. That was a film that we shot at the Buffalo train terminal now uh-huh. uh, in Buffalo, New York. We shot the whole thing there in this building. Now, if you Google it, you will see it. it this building has been condemned since like, the, I don't know, 60s. They say it's haunted. It's, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of pr- preservation societies in it. But this is one of those projects, like I said, where I, I was home and I got the call, and they're like, yo, we want to shoot this horror movie. These guys, blah, 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 they'll pay you this much. I'm like, okay, let's go. And next thing you know, I'm in this Buffalo train terminal with n- very little power. I think I had maybe two electrical outlets in the whole place. Uh I had four lights and you know, and a cast of like, you know, 15 people. Right. You know, prosthetics, you know, you know, I got Scream Queens running around half naked in a frozen building in the middle of November with counting down to when the snow will come. And I had the time of my life. Yeah, I bet you did. And, we, and, and 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 the thing about it is, is that if you go back and look at the movie, and you go back and you look at the film, and I and I look back at how little I had to work with, but how much movie we came away with. Right. Um, it, it fascinates me. And again, it's one of those old school horror flicks. You know, it was one of like early, 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 early Netflix. I remember when that was like one of the first, when that movie came out, that was like one of the first early films that Netflix put out when Netflix was still doing DVDs. Right. <laughs> and and I remember they getting that real early on. I'm like, what is this Netflix thing? This is weird, you know? Next, You know, mailing DVDs? You know, so that was a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, again, I love shooting independent films, and, you know, and I would shoot that movie, and I'd make you know you make acquaintances with people that connect you you know I it was like one of my first horror movies shooting like that and I remember when the PAs was there and they're like you know all the PAs are like super horror fans and they're like asking me like yo did you see this movie (laughs) Matthias I'm like no and they're like oh my god this looks so much like it no way! Yeah, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Yo, I work in a video store out in Idaho, and I'm gonna send you a spindle of 100 horror movies that you gotta watch. Damn! And you know what? And they what? did. They did. It like, we wrapped, and like, I and I was home, and like, two weeks later, a package comes, uh-huh. and it literally was a spindle. She ripped one, the top 100. Cause I told her I wasn't a whore, I I didn't grow up watching this stuff. She's like, okay, I got you. She's like, she sent me a spindle of a hundred one one hundred horror movies mm-hmm. you must watch. Okay. To even understand it. Yeah. And it was everything. I, I mean, from across the board, like beyond Nasferatu, all the way up to like Amy, like in independent films but also mainstream films, the zombies were represented, the Japanese were represented, Um, you know, the Germans were represented in this, in this collection. And I watched them all and I was able from that, from that spindle of DVDs, I was able to come away with a really good working knowledge. to apply that to other horror movies, which I went to go on shoot after that. And I'm very very grateful for that, because now I feel like i have i feel like i have a a good perspective on that genre you know that you know it's pretty pretty you know pretty open you know whereas you know someone may have not been exposed to uh films like that
0: yeah. look I am speechless right now because listening to you talking you pretty much answered all the questions that I had set aside because I had so many questions to ask you (laughs) I'm serious you answered it because I was when I was when I was looking at your resume I'm like oh my god like he has really done a number of horror films and I you just put me in this collective space where you're like okay you told me from day one how you were inspired to even pick up a camera and that was instilled from your father and your mother. Your mother was the nurturer, and your father was the you know what I'm saying the provider. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. made you read. He disciplined you. He gave mm-hmm. you. Um, you come from an era of true workmanship, okay? Because this generation, I'm just being real, and the generation I came from, we didn't work that much, okay? Because
1: right.
0: social media. If I want to look up a word, all I have to do is put it in Google. That's it. Exactly. You are- Went exactly. the actual dictionary, the Webster
1: Dictionary, and looked it up, you know? Exactly. Like, and, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, when when I, when, you know, the younger generation, I, men- I mentioned it, like, yo, I had the Britannicas, you know? Like, I remember them coming to the house, knocking on the door, you know, and, and begging my dad, please, dad, please, please, please get these Britannicas, like, and they came in big boxes, never forget, and had a shelf up. And that was the reference, you know, and that's why, again, I t- try to tell the youngers, younger generation, I'm like, don't get too, uh, I tell this to my son all the time, I say, don't chill down a little bit, chill. I know y'all got access to everything, but chill for a second. You got to also understand how you, how are you receiving this information? Right. You yeah. know, that's a big deal. That I think that's a big deal, you know. What I'm saying, how are you receiving it? Are you getting it in a blip, mm. or are you focused at digging in and learning some information? Take a moment mm-hmm. and and take in something and digest it, mm. and then okay, let me make it. Let me let me decide where I'm going to go from here. We're, we're, let me decide what action I'm going to take from here. Um, I think that is. I think that's lacking, and I'm not saying that, please, in any way to the, in any negative way
0: Mm-mm. to
1: degenerate, but as far as maybe helping to understand a point of view, mm. um, you know, you know I, I, I just tell them, you know, Google deeper, Google deeper you said Google. You know deeper. like you know it's not just the first five hits you know you gotta google deeper you gotta google deeper and it's a great I think it's a greater responsibility now you know and it translates back you know in everything you know in life but I mean for me to kind of bring it back to as a filmmaker uh, a cinematographer you know I I I'm always researching. I'm always uh, looking for opportunities to learn more. And I think that's the, that's, that's, I think where the discipline is, is to open and expand your boundaries and and being open to things. You know, um, you know, and, and then too, things have changed a lot with just being a filmmaker, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everybody's a filmmaker now. Right. Everybody's a filmmaker now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's now, I think now that since it's accessible, um, I think that the responsibility is greater. You know? Wow. Yeah, I do. I do. How
0: um, so? Why what do, what do you think the responsibility is
1: greater, although it's easier access? Because now you have the power right. to communicate directly and distinctly that's power yeah. you know that's power and you know like you know when it wasn't accessible uh, and you had to work for you know what I'm saying you had to make an extra effort to get the access you know like you know as a filmmaker back in the day I wasn't always given access to the equipment I had to go get it I had to really make an effort to go to go get it there's a lot of times i remember uh early on in my career i couldn't find people to rent to me because i was you know i was a minor i was black you Mine. know so um i would have to drive two three states away you know to 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 even deal with people that would do business with me. Hmm. you know people that would like okay well if you roll up here with cash, I'll do business with you. You know, I I like the stories I could tell. And again, it's now it's accessible. Now we have power in our hands. You know what I'm saying? And I think now, I think the responsibility is much greater now because we need to take greater responsibility with what we're communicating.
0: Agreed. Um, it's, It's like, um, (laughs) <laughs> you have the power but what are you going to do with it
1: exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, exactly love talking to you already um i got a couple of more questions um
1: yeah
0: now you said in the 90s about 94 93 you were in new york correct right
1: yeah
0: uh what what 90s uh hip-hop videos did you shoot because i did not see that on your resume <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I've worked on a lot of um, old school videos. Um, do you, I don't know if you remember Das Effects. Um, oh, I mean, like, we're talking about early videos, DOS Effects. I remember, you know, early uh, Buster Rhymes videos, uh, Leaders of New School, mm-hmm. um, uh, Fireside, um, like, uh, Diggable Planets.
0: What? Uh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. This you is know, amazing. Early, early Wu Tang video. What? Yeah, yeah. What? But yeah, but it, it, I look back on that and it's like it was. You gotta understand, like <laughs> back then, everybody like if you was if you was like it was everybody at the start. So basically, think of all your indie artists now that are just trying to jump off on. On, on social media,
0: mm-hmm. yes.
1: Think of it like that. But they were getting, they were getting radio play, regional radio play. Right, exactly. So, like they, you know, like they were, they were, they are just about to like step through that door, and that, and that, and at that time, mm-hmm. everybody was everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know. You know, we don't have the events like we had back then. You know, we don't have the industry events uh, anymore. Like we don't have the Jack the Rapper. You know what I'm saying? So like, the Jack the Rapper event was the the hip the hip hop event back in Atlanta back in the day. We don't have that stuff those those type of events anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: nobody really seeing each other. You know what I'm saying? Back then, you know, you'd be standing there at the convention, and y'all networking, and you know. You know, uh up walks um Buster Rhymes trying to slide a tape to somebody. You know what I'm <laughs> Like, for real. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, it it was like that. You know, Craig Matt, like, yo, sliding a tape to somebody, yo, check it out. You know, you know, we had that cohesiveness because that's how we knew about each other. You mm-hmm. know what i Um so you know, that networking's there. Now you know, we have this. I think it's more of an isolated, isolated type of uh uh artists. Yes, is, especially in music, there's mm-hmm. there's more of an isolation about the artist. So I think you get tapped on, you get you get put on to artists, but by the time you you really on them, you know that you know you've been on them a little while. Yeah, it's all different, you know.
0: Man, you just yeah. said a lot, like a lot of gems and diamonds. You know what I'm saying? This is like a music podcast and you hitting on everything. And it's also a a real life podcast where people come to tell and share their stories, you know? Yeah. And what you just said about the, um, just, oh my God, being in the nineties and then having Busta Rhymes come and slide you a tape, you know, those were in the beginning stages of who these people say. And I Mm -hmm. really think that is magnificent because, networking is key now a lot I've noticed in my time that a lot of artists that are independent they don't have the self-knowledge of how to network how to connect with other people not just your fans Mm -hmm. but with people right I see a lot of that I'm like oh gosh like people just talk to each other yeah we'll be in a better
1: place you know yeah, yeah, that's true. That was the one thing I, I could say back in the nineties and early two thousands. You know, it, it there was there was definitely discussion going on. You know what I'm saying? You were connected to people, you know. You would go to a conference and see Diddy there sitting there talking to. You know what I'm saying? You would walk up, you know, um uh you would walk you would go to an event and you know, Faith and Total is right there. You know what I'm saying? And you talking to them. And you networking with you know. And if they feel like, you know, everybody tried to slide tapes to everybody, you know, what I'm saying, yo, <laughs> yo, know, you, know, you know, you know, type of thing. <laughs> but you had to make an effort. You had to, you had to put your, you had to present yourself, you know. And it was also a little thing too about like, well, am I gonna take your tape or not? Type of thing. You know what I'm saying? It's yes. Like, so it it. it if they take your tape, it was gonna be based upon your personal presentation, how yeah. you interacted with them. And that and I think that's you know, I'm not I don't wanna make this a podcast of what about what may be lacking, but you know, just a little observ observations, mm-hmm. you know. Um that I wanna relay. I don't wanna I don't wanna really, you know, turn anybody away, you know. No, no. you know, but you know. But you know it it is it is what it is, okay, so
0: <laughs> let me get back on track because you're like I said, you're saying a lot of information that I think people can benefit from, you know, if they just listen mm-hmm. um, shoot, okay, um let's talk about crap yeah let's let's talk about um no your yeah, work day, like describe and and this obviously is before the pandemic um happen but describe your schedule like you know for a film director like i mean take a step
1: by step of the process that you go through okay well let me ask do you want me to speak about a specific project or you want to you know um yeah when you're working on a project okay all right well i let me i'll just take for example um what uh I'll use for example like uh, Double Cross, okay, uh, which is on uh, streaming on UMC right now. Great show, by uh, the way, guys. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. Hard mm-hmm. on that. Um, the um, like a typical day for me on Double Cross would consist of, you know, I'd have a, uh, maybe a six o'clock call on mm. set. Um and you know, we we go twelve hours. You know, we never we never went beyond twelve hours. Um which is typical, you want that, but we on that show we only shoot five days a week. Um, we shoot for four weeks. And um we'll see what the next schedule is. But that you know, that show is shot at a is at a pretty sane type of schedule. I try to, me personally, I try to to keep, I I try to have my schedule be as sane as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because it just, it helps with the overall production. Now I do, I can tell you, you know, I, I, I have, I am a veteran of the crazy, crazy hours. You know, I am a veteran of many 48 hour film festivals. Cool. So, you know, I've shot films from beginning to end in 48 hours, short films, um, narrative films. Um, so I I know how to work in that space too as well, as far as, you know, soup to nuts and shooting a long time over long hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a show like Double Cross, we, we typically shoot a pretty sane schedule. And, and, and like I said, the reason why is because we have uh, – we have a lot of glam squad on the on the show um and uh we have what's important uh crystal Gibson the director yeah run, um, crystal
0: Gibson
1: yep yeah what's important for her is you know she wants them to look good she she knows what she wants so, yep um we do that and uh just making sure we have time for that and and, and just uh um I work in more or less an organized fashion where if I know, you know, how much time I need uh, to do what I need to do, um, I just coordinate with the different departments and we work it out to where, you know, they're not waiting on us. You know what I'm saying? We'll be ready when the actors are ready and the wardrobe is ready too. Uh, Cause those are some very essential parts of the show by mm-hmm. design. And, and, and so, you know, those are some things that, you know, we uh, respect on the show yeah so but schedule definitely we keep it we keep it pretty sane when I'm shooting for but again I can shoot you know it just depends on working on you know if I'm if I'm doing a uh, something that's all night night sequences and stuff like that we flip we flip we flip our days mm-hmm. you know and we shoot you know all night long and we sleep all day and,
0: you know. that is so cool yeah yeah that is really amazing. Um, so are you guys done shooting the first season of Double Cross?
1: Yeah, first season of Double Cross is done and streaming right now on UMC. Which uh, is why
0: I only watched four episodes because I'm waiting <laughs> on the fifth.
1: <laughs> the fifth episode. The fifth episode uh, actually posted uh, what's today, Friday, Thursday, or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So you should check it out. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, actually today I just got uh, some confirmation that we we are um, going to be going for a second season. Season two, yeah. Season two. So, but I don't know. You know, what I'm saying uh, uh, definitely. You know, I'm it's exciting. I'm exciting. I love shooting the show, um, and I I love uh, I just love the opportunity to create uh, content for UMC. Um, I, you know, I, I really believe in a, having a, a, a black streaming network yes. uh, and having, and, and actually having some variety in it. And that's something that I wanted, uh, was excited about to bring to UMC with, uh, double cross, you know, it's, it's something different. Um, it, it's something unique. It's something itself and, uh, it doesn't look like everybody else because it has a different feel to it it's darker Um, and uh, I feel there's space for all those types of stories there
0: definitely and I actually have uh, a couple more questions but I want to keep talking about the series Mm -hmm. with Double Cross when I watched it (laughs) that first episode is what drew me in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes because I did not expect for some drama to happen already I'm like oh my god I gotta watch right. the second episode now I gotta know what happened mm-hmm. and yeah. the actors are phenomenal you know I love the fact that it caters to an all black cast I think that's mm-hmm. extraordinary especially during this time that we're living in well <laughs> all these centuries really but you know mm-hmm. so um my next question is how did you become affiliated
1: with umc i was uh brought onto to the project by one of the producers and directors uh dale steely um i had worked with dale on a couple of shows prior to that and he uh you know when we were working on any other shows he was like dude i like working with you and um I told him, I said, look, I'm a narrative guy. I love shooting stories and shooting different stories. And I'm like, if you got anything, just let me know. And he hit me up and he he brought me to Double Cross. And I'm thankful for that because that's, you know, telling those type of stories right up my alley. I I really do enjoy telling
0: Definitely, definitely. And for anyone is listening there today, um, take the time, take the opportunity to go to UMC, go to their website, and look at all the shows that they have there. They did, you know, Double Cross is a really great show. Um, they are on their first season, and they have five episodes so far, but it's easy to get caught back up again. I mean... I'm telling you guys, this, I don't want to give away too much, but I'll just say (laughs) this is a story about two, I mean, well, twins, a boy and a girl, one is a doctor and one is like, you know, from the streets and everything. And they are taking matters into their own hand with these scumbag criminals on the street, you know, because the, you know, the police don't always do their job, so to speak. But, you know, sometimes we as citizens, have to make the change for everybody. Right.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, like, go check that show out, um, everybody. So, I think you will like it. But, um, moving on in a sense, um, I have some more questions for you. Sure, sure, go
1: ahead.
0: <laughs> okay, so Matthias, let's talk about your impressive resume that we've been talking about all this time. Okay, you have twenty years of professional experience and over 37 independent films under your belt. It's no wonder that they call you the notorious D.O.P.
1: <laughs> so let's uh, talk more about that name. Yeah. So it was a name that had uh, that was given to me a long time ago, like back in the day in Midwest. I was, like I said, I was shooting a lot of independent films. And, you know, be completely honest, you know there were no black uh, uh, independent filmmakers in the Midwest that were doing things like that. You know what I'm saying like one guy you know that's you know kind of like shoot independent movies who had the gear and all that. Um, you know I do know there was a couple other guys in a couple other states over. Oh, I think there was a dude up in Chicago I forget his name that had come to me. We used to, you know, see, see each other on MySpace back in the day. Cool. But but um but like, you know, um I mean I, I, I don't want to get off the subject there, but um <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I I've been shooting independent films for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh it's just something I enjoy. Um you know, and and make it happen, you know, type of thing. Um, Yeah. You
0: definitely, uh, that guy to make things happen just based off everything that we talked about. Um, but what's the most rewarding production you've worked on thus far and why? And don't include Double Cross.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rewarding. Um, Wow. The, you know, they're all kind of, I would say they're all rewarding in their own right, because it's like, um, you know, they all have a purpose. You know, I, I I shoot for a living, so I'm definitely shooting with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when you come across some that are, you know, you take on like, okay, I'm doing something really good here. I'm really doing something that's going to affect people. In a, in a positive way. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's the most rewarding, but it is one one that ranks up there pretty high with me is that I uh, was the director of photography and, and ended up being a, one of the post-producers on uh, the New American Road Trip. It was a project that had been give, uh, brought to me uh, by another DP. He had referred me, And basically, we went cross-country in uh, two electric vehicles Mm. from San Francisco all the way to New York for New York Climate Week. And we stopped along the way to highlight different people or different individuals that were doing great work with sustainable energy and and electric car. Um, uh, And it was great because I got a chance to see firsthand um, what it's like to cross the United States in an electric car and um, I will tell you this if you are a young individual that has the finances and credit and means to purchase an electric vehicle mm-hmm. you must do that and wow. I'm not saying that for for um I'm not saying it for any particular stance. I'm just saying it for the pers- per, to, to preserve your financial future. Okay. You know, um, you know. I know we get into having these big cars, flashy cars and Lambos and all this and all that. You want to have this and the Beamers and the Benzes. But really consider making space uh, in your plans for an electric vehicle. From that on that project, I, I got a chance to really see the benefits of it on a different, on a lot of different firsthand levels. I was interviewing people across the country. We would we started in San Francisco. I hopped on in Vegas and went from Vegas all the way to New York City. Um, and we stopped in different towns. We stopped in St. Louis, where Mayor Sly. Um, who's a black mayor, uh, there. Um, he was first time elected, um, official. He was, uh, he was an attorney there in the t- in, in St. Louis for a long time. And he just decided, you know what, I'm going to run for mayor. And he won. And the one of the first thing he did to put on his agenda was to make, uh, St. Louis, uh, sustainable and his city sustainable. And the impact that it had on the city financially, they love that man. He 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 finished out. He re, He was mayor and there for as long as they would let him. Um, and uh, the impact. So you know, you you come across and you you come across and get on a project and you come and you're and you're involved in the conversation you're seeing some things from a different perspective and mm-hmm. you have to see it from a, an objective perspective as well being a cinematographer so i'm documenting this but i'm also gleaning the information and i'm like wow and you're and you expanding your mind and then then it that adds to the photography too as well because then that determines how i'm going to capture that individual, how i'm going to present this story um and and you know, so th- I must say the New American Road Trip is definitely one of the more rewarding things that I've done. Um, the just being able to be part of that conversation. You can see it's on YouTube. Okay. Um, it it actually what we did was um we created comedy sketches based upon some of the stops we went. And so that's what uh we did, we ran it uh parallel with um uh, Funnier Die. So when we came back from the trip, Funnier Die picked it up, and then we probably we did these comedy sketches along the storyline with it. So we were able to present it, uh, you know, the the importance of the subject matter with comedy, and also with the education part too, as well. So that's on there too, on YouTube. Um, so many things. I've done a lot of LGBT. Uh, uh, cl- uh, Content too as well. Yes, I've Paz had, Yeah, Paz Roz, um which just got uh nominated for a bunch of awards and mm-hmm. great oh, show. And uh I'm I'm very proud of Paz Roz and you know getting able to communicate that as well, you know, communicating, you know, um uh, awareness of HIV within mm-hmm. the Black that Community Oh, show. Yes. Yes, so, yes. Man. Yeah, check it out that's on youtube
0: too i've been I've been, been watching rise. it 110 episodes Pies, yes i have yes i have you know ever since i checked out again your resume third time you saying that <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah i love new stuff so you know yeah
1: yeah Paz rise is great you know carlton jordan he's a great writer director um i can't wait to see what he come up next Paz rise is the uh is the second web series I shot with him. Um, yeah. So you should also check out his previous uh, 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 web series. I I forget, I forget the name of it. I'm sorry, but just look up Carlton Jordan uh, and you'll see all his web series. He did Pazerize and another one we did together too as well.
0: Thank you. I will reference yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um love to, hand, I'm huh? sorry, i was about Love Handles. Love, love handles. handles, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love Handles, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: I didn't know that was the same director. <laughs> yeah, same director. Love handles, yeah. Carlton Jordan. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So now it's something else I can watch because I really don't well now I now have three things to watch, to finish watching.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Double Cross, Paz Raz, and Love Handles. Yeah, yeah.
1: Love Handles, yeah.
0: Okay. Um yeah. Let me ask you a question, since we're talking sure. about different directors. Um, which filmmakers have influenced you most and why?
1: Okay. If filmmakers that influenced me most and why. Um, you know, I, I have to be honest and say, you know, the filmmakers that influenced me are the ones that I was I was directly exposed to and the ones that I was directly engaged uh, with along my career.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, um, and that definitely I have to put at the top of the list. Spike, Spike Lee. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, and 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 I will, and I put it there because Spike Lee showed me. And taught me how to be an independent filmmaker And people don't talk about that You know, everybody wants to talk about Robert Rodriguez And all that, and that's great Robert Rodriguez, you know, just showed Like, hey, I'm going to make my movie And I'm going to do it by any means necessary You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Spike was doing the same thing Um, And um, That's who I saw You know, that's who I was Exposed to when I was Coming up you know what I'm saying? Finally, like, you know, have this dream of wanting to make films. All of a sudden, there's a little short black brother in New York doing this and he's like killing it. Yes. Right. You know, and it's like, you know, so everything he did, I was there first day. Everything he did, um, I studied. You know, and, and the thing too is I highly encourage if you're a filmmaker, you go and get Spikes books that he did he published on all of his films he published books of how he made the films from she's got to have it all the way to Malcolm X he he, he made paperback books of it back in the day again get into those books and and read that and you will see the process you're not just going to observe a process oh there's Spike and oh he made his movie no you're going to really learn the process that he took, you know, he tells you, you know, his little daily schedule. He has his day 12, this, you know, these things, you know, you have the little inserts of Ernest Dickerson talking about what they were doing that day. You know what I'm saying? You have his diaries. Wow. Again, these are things that I think some of the younger filmmakers are not even, not even on their radar and they oh. should because, you know, he spike again, knocks it out the, you know, he coming for everybody, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, The Five Bloods, again, he coming for everybody. World critically acclaimed filmmaker, and definitely, I, you know, my inspiration, totally. Then, so cool. Then, after that, I would have to include in there, um, at the same time, I have to include in there Clint Eastwood, I have to include in there definitely Steven Spielberg, Wow, and George yeah. Lucas, I have to include these filmmakers in there because these filmmakers, including Spike, are the filmmakers that influenced you at that age of influence. You see what I'm saying, mm-hmm. like you know i'm you know it's very easy you know like I'll come up on younger filmmakers and they're like, "Who's your influence?" I'll ask them that same question you asked me, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock and, and I was like, no, somebody influenced you with those. Who is the who is that one filmmaker you saw something and it really moved you? You know, and you started following, you know. I look at who that was and like who was in the theater, who was that, you know, who were those filmmakers that were making those movies that just was like, Okay, we're gonna go see that. And that was definitely spike. That was definitely George Lucas that was definitely Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg particular particularly uh, was one where I was heavily influenced because that whole rhythm of his to his filmmaking from Indiana Jones those were those films the Indiana Jones series those films came out especially Indiana Jones one came out at a time at my age where it was very in, in, influential like when I saw that I, I was like okay this is I this is I want to create this this is part of creation I want to do and that and being involved with the movie you know I you know the whole concept of the music and the speed mm-hmm. and the pacing of it and the building of it and the suspense all these things that type of visual storytelling were major influences on me. And those are definitely to this day, those are the things that I are attracted to. Those are the things that that's the type of filmmaking that I aspire to. Those are the things that the influences I'll do. Like I work with a younger filmmaker and they'll be telling me, Oh, I like this. And I think I say, okay, I'm like, give me a movie. And they're like, Oh, well, what about this one? Okay. I got you. You know, because again, the The pacing the rhythm the the visual storytelling major inspirations major inspirations um uh antoine fouqua big inspiration to me um i definitely have to put in there also to uh uh john singleton mm-hmm. definitely john singleton um and then last but not least, i have to throw in there christopher Nolan too he's as far as story uh he's definitely someone that is a major influence of mine and I, I can't wait for tenant. I can't wait to see what, uh, what, uh, what Odu does in tenant. I can't wait for it. So it's going to be amazing.
0: What's the last film he created?
1: Um, what you, uh, well, you know, um, Christopher Nolan did inception, you know, he's, you know, uh, Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean like inception and, um, when was the last film um, he did? I forget the uh, the war movie. Um,
0: um, well, but
1: he's story? what was that?
0: I was going to say just kind of maybe more popular. Not I'm not saying none of his films are popular, but more like to someone who may not have knowledge of his films. Okay,
1: Christopher Nolan. Well, mm-hmm. he I would say you know he's he did Memento, mm-hmm. uh, Inception. Um, mm-hmm. You know, definitely IMDb him and watch his movies. Okay,
0: cool. That is uh, interesting. Um, Yeah, like I said, just based off, I guess, just scratching the surface of what you are capable of doing, I I just figured that Spike Lee would be one of those people that you would love to. Yeah,
1: definitely Spike. Definitely Spike. (laughs) Top inspiration. For Um, sure. Again, you know, and I, and I consider myself one of those filmmakers that I do, do have a lot of varied inspirations, but if I had to put it up there, you know, definitely Spike, he was the one that just like, I can do this, I can do it, I can mm-hmm. do this, you know, um, when you're in a sea of people telling you, you can't, That's you right. know, he was the one like, my thing is like, if Spike can do it, I can do it. Definitely. You know, Spike showing me how to do this. so I'm going to do this. So, you know, that was, that was the thing. So, you know, that influenced my training, you know, that influenced my study. Um, you know, um, it also opened me up to other, to watching other filmmakers, you know, Spike in the books, he references other filmmakers of, of influences that he may have had or music that he, uh, uh, may have been thinking about so I would that would open my mind and expand and oh let me check this out I gotta check that out you know um yeah so it's definitely the people those directors that uh that I would consider big influence were at the ones that I was introduced to directly like at the age of influence when you're like okay yeah
0: you know exactly exactly and uh, Spike Lee definitely has that uh, "you can do it" attitude. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. And so do you. So it makes sense that you look up to him. Yeah. Um, I do have a question. Uh, well, not question, but I- I'm going to end this segment with some fun questions and okay. a game. Okay. All right. So here's the first question. Um. <clears throat> okay. Since you do read a lot, I mean, you, obviously from a kid So now, uh, which book would you love to make
1: a film out of? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Which book? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, there is a book that I was given. That I would like to make a film of called Deadly Impression, Ooh. Um, but I can't seem to get anyone to adapt it. So, um, and again, it's one of those things too that you know y- you get d- it, it. It doesn't. You're led from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was introduced to this book um, when I was on a job you know, where I was covering the disaster at Hurricane Katrina. Oh, cool. And and I just happened to be embedded with uh, a team of forensic dentists. And oh. they were like, we would be hanging out, having dinner together through that. And we were going through, you know, uh, a pretty intense time through that whole thing. You get to know each other. And, you know, the one forensic dentist, I, uh, uh, Dr. Dennis Asen, and uh I think he's out there in uh Pennsylvania. He's like, Yeah, I wrote a couple of books for Bantam books back in the day. Some you know, some, you know, detective novels, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what, get out of here. He's like, Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, I like well let me read it, let me see it. So I read it and it's you know, it's it's I would love to make a movie out of that book. Um, um you know I mean adapting adapting books to films is, is pretty difficult so um you know if there is one i would like it to be that one but you know yeah yeah it's called deadly impressions you know old this old bantam books uh thing but i would like to, to do that one.
0: okay um, i want to try to see yeah. about that book um i guess my second fun question is because it's something i really want to know about you um what are your short-term goals for the rest of this year what you got planned
1: okay short-term goals well first of all um hopefully we'll be back up for second season the double cross mm-hmm. um which if everything goes according to plan i'm very excited for that uh and then you know the other thing too is I, I really want uh this year to really just uh get a few things together as far as some um some investments that um I'm planning to do. Um and and just and just finish out this year um and close it out um and and get another president in office. <laughs> cause you know, I, you know, I'm just keeping it real, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause it, we only got six months left. Yeah. Last you're right. Year. You know, we only got six months left. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my short term goals is really to, for me to take the, the last six months of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, you know, if we can get another, uh, season off the ground, let's do that. and, mm-hmm. and and just get everything tidy nice and clean for 2021
0: sounds beautiful you know,
1: you know that's that's what i i feel is, um
0: i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off
1: no no you're fine,
0: you're fine. i i since you just said every time you say something it comes, it leads to another question uh, sure, sure. go, in ahead, go in ahead my go interest ahead. it's your show star <laughs> it's your show <laughs> Oh, well, thank you um how do you how long does it take to to actually shoot a season of a TV series?
1: Okay. Well, it de- it really depends on what schedule the producers want to do. Um Double Cross we did it in four we did it in 20 days. Dang. Um, yeah, 20 days um which is a rather short schedule. Yes. Um, you know For me, personally, as a professional, you know, a lot of these series, they run, you know, eight months, you know. Something like that, you know, really heavily produced series, eight months. You know, for me, on an independent level, ideally, I think ideally six weeks should be a very bare bit. You know, six weeks. Right. uh, I think, you know, professionally, just for just for what I've seen over the years and with my experience, I think six weeks should be a bare minimum. And also too, we're looking at, you know, having to adapt to new Mm COVID-19, uh, procedures on set, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. And also too, it's not going to be cheap.
0: Right. You know,
1: it's not going to be cheap. So, um, you know, I think, again, this is a time of great learning and I think people should take this time to take the time to really research and really get studied up, you know, because, you know, um, when things get cracking back to, you know, back up to speed, you know, we be ready. Preparation is key, you know. So the more time you have to prep it, the more smoother it's gonna go. And I think, you know, mandatory six weeks, you know, should be a minimum.
0: Wow. Me per-
1: yeah, yeah, personally. But again, it just depends on the project. I work on projects that are much longer than that, you know, when then, you know, it's just it's just really what the production wants to do and what it needs.
0: Okay. That's an interesting um, answer. <laughs> you said it's between 20 days and six weeks. That's... Yeah. And more.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but okay. I don't know. Like I said, I, like, again, we're still early stages. Um, but I'm just saying from a personal, professional standpoint, especially with anyone, any filmmaker that's interested in, in, in creating their own series... It, with multiple episodes, I think on, from an independent standpoint, I think six weeks should be a minimum. Six six weeks shooting should be a minimum.
0: Yeah, that actually makes sense.
1: Yeah, and again, and, and the reason why I say that from my experience is I think six weeks is a sweet spot that mm-hmm. I've seen that allows a director that the time that they really, really want to really do what they want to do versus what a director may be like, I ain't got no time, I ain't got no time, I ain't got no time. You know, you know, at least, you know, with that type of schedule, I think, you know, it gives a director the time to just walk in on the day and be like, okay, let's, let's, what we doing today? You know what I'm saying? Or what, you know, like, well let me, you know i find that over the years i've seen a lot of independent and i've been doing a lot of independent films of, the schedules just keep getting smaller 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 to the point where they just get ridiculous to the point where like you're not going to finish what you have on the page so i think you know um i think 6 weeks in, and you're going they're going to need it like i said you're going to need that prep time Things are going to definitely go moving slower and stuff on set, and um, you know I think I think six weeks is is a minimum. <laughs>
0: um, okay, um, those were good answers to my fun questions, so to speak. Yeah, let's play a game. This game is called Finish the Lyrics, and. What I'm going to do is recite some lyrics from a song. And when I say finish the lyrics, you finish the lyrics, basically telling me like what song it is. And, and if you can guess the artist too, that'd be great. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, here we are. Okay. Coast to coast, L.A. to Chicago, Western Mail, across the North, in South, Tequila Gargle. Sade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Which song is it?
1: A Smooth Operator.
0: Yep, Sade's I saw Sade
1: I before. saw Sade yep. in, in, in the, uh, I saw her live a few times. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, what? yeah. When Sade come around, you got to buy a ticket because she don't travel. She don't travel that much but, man, her shows. Sade is the only artist that I've gone and seen live in an arena. And in an arena, the album, it sounds exactly like the album and they playing it live. That is dope. The only one. The only one. I'm sorry, (laughs) Beyonce. I'm the only one. Dang. And does it consistently every time? Mm. Like when you in an arena and it sounds exactly like the album. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That sounds like one magical night. <laughs> okay, uh well, you got that one right. Um, I'll give you another one, okay? All right. All right. Um hmm. Let's see. All right, here we go. Oh, you've no. You know we've got to find a way to bring some understanding here today. Picket
1: it All right. That's uh that Marvin Gaye. day
0: you good. Yes. Yes. That was Marvin Gay. What's going on? What's going on? Okay, okay, I see you on top of your game. <laughs> They oh God. Um, yeah, um, that was good. That was a good game. Um, thank you so much, Matthias, for coming on today's show. Um, I had a great time with you, literally picking your mind. Um, I've learned a whole lot of things, a lot of tools that I can use to apply to my own career. So thank you. No problem.
1: No problem. My yeah. pleasure
0: um so is there anything you want to close uh say to close out
1: the show uh i just want to say thank you for having me on your show star uh it's a pleasure and uh i you know i enjoy talking with you and just sharing and parting what i can um i'm pretty accessible and i'm always open to working with uh different artists and independent filmmakers and musicians as well um if you if you are a musician and you're looking for a unique uh a different type of style music video hit me up hit my website hit me up send me a message on Instagram whatever um you know I'm always looking to collaborate and uh you know and I and I enjoy working with newer artists and giving people opportunities to tell their stories um And so, you know, I just want to let your listeners know I'm available.
0: Definitely. Um, When you guys heard it here, if you um, know any artists or you, if you're an artist yourself per se, then hit up Matthias on Instagram. I mean, the name is as it is spelled for the show. So, you know, and he will be readily available to talk to you when he has time for sure. So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Speak Your Mind Radio. This is Miss Queen Star signing off and deuces.